Third and five, John David Booty out of the shotgun. Rarity this year. Throws into the end zone. Catch by Osbury. Great catch. Touchdown USC. David Osbury, the redshirt freshman from Lamore with glue fingers on that one. His second touchdown catch of the year. The first for him in a bowl game and in the Rose Bowl, and he puts the Trojans up by an insurmountable lead of 41 to 10. Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. This week, our podcast is sponsored by sctickets.com. Need tickets to see the Trojans? Then check out sctickets.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham, and we are at episode 12 of the podcast. If you have questions, comments, concerns, you can always email us at podcast at uscfootball.com. And I wanted to take a little time out to thank our sponsor, uh, Southern California Tickets, sctickets.com. You can reach them at 800-888-7287 for concerts, sports, or the theater. You can contact sctickets.com, 800-888-7287. 7287. And in our first segment, we are joined by the coach, Harvey Hyde. Coach, thanks again for joining us. Well, thank you very much. I cannot believe this is our 12th uh, segment. I can't believe that's three months. Are you kidding me? We've been doing this for three months? Three months. Uh, you know, it's been fun. We have a good time. We get to talk a lot, a lot of different subjects, uh, USC, and it's, it's just the off season. So I think it's going to get a lot more exciting as the uh, season gets closer. We're only about four months away right now. We really are, and I tell you, I'm looking forward to it. I tell you, it's not really a dead season. There's a lot of things going on in, in the college world and also, you know, the Kentucky Derby and all these other great events that happen, the NBA playoffs. But I tell you, there's nothing like college football. Yeah, it's just it's just such a great sport. I don't, I don't know. I mean, so many people, it's their favorite sport. It's my favorite sport, obviously. We cover it for a living and uh, just couldn't enjoy it more. And, and having a guy like Pete Carroll at USC – bringing in the kind of talent that he's bringing where you can see seven guys go in the first two rounds of the NFL draft. It makes it all that more exciting. It really does. And I tell you, it uh, really works for USC as far as with their image. Uh, Also with now this year proving that if you stay another year, you'll enhance your opportunity to go higher in the draft. How about the recruiting side of it? Just come and be a part of the program and participate and, and you'll have that opportunity someday to have a dream come true, which is playing on Sunday. You compete every day in practice, uh, and uh, and obviously it's working for USC. Uh, they set a record, seven players in the first two rounds. Uh, I don't know, they've done it once or twice before, but at USC this is a record. And also not mentioning the other great uh, players. And I, I want to tell you, I really sincerely believe this. I believe that every single player, that was selected in the draft by the NFL that are USC players will make their teams. I've looked it over. I believe they will make those teams. Wow. That's uh, yeah. Cause it doesn't always happen. Even you have guys go in the third or fourth round. Sometimes they don't make teams, but I, th- I think you're right. And the, the point about staying in school, uh, you know, people debated that should Matt Leinart have stayed cause he dropped down to number 10 in the draft. Well, you know, I think with his elbow problems, 
he was going to probably drop down anyway. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're top of the chart at the end of the season. Then you look at all that offseason workouts, and if he wasn't able to go because he was hurt, he probably would have dropped down a little bit anyway. But two guys, I think, that really helped. I mean, everyone in the first round, I think, really helped himself. Cedric Ellis, Keith Rivers, Sam Baker, Lawrence Jackson, all of them had the opportunity to leave. I wrote a piece on that this week. Uh, you can check it out. What is, you know, Trojans in the draft, what does it mean on uscfootball.com? All of those guys had an opportunity to leave. All of them went in the first round. And Ellison Rivers, Ellis was definitely a surefire first round pick. Rivers, I think people thought first, second round, he started to jump up the draft, especially after the pro day. He just tested off the charts. We had uh, Mike Mayock from the NFL Network on the podcast last week talking about that. I mean, he, he, his vertical leap was so high, they, they had, it went to the top rung. So they could, it, Mike Mack told me it could have been even higher than 42 inches. But he tested so well, and uh, they thought he'd be probably a top 15 pick. He ends up going number nine to Cincinnati trying to help out their defense. Cedric Ellis, uh, you know, he had a chance to be the number one defensive tackle. He ended up being second behind Glenn Dorsey, but both of those guys were kind of one and one A. Dorsey went number five. Ellis went number seven to New Orleans, who traded up, and he could uh, actually join um, Ed Orgeron, the, the new defensive line coach there. I think uh, the Patriots had a chance to take him, but I don't think they wanted to spend number seven money uh, because they have a team that's pretty much established already. So they, they dropped down a couple spots. New Orleans moves up a couple spots. And Sam Baker was a guy so interesting. Everyone just had him falling off the charts, but I think he got a little lucky because he was probably – on a lot of the scouts draft boards, number five or number six offensive tackle in the draft. Well, he still went number 21 overall and was the sixth offensive tackle taken. So I think that helped him that he was in a really kind of hot position and Atlanta took him trying to shore up their uh, offensive line a little bit. And then Lawrence Jackson, you know, people thought number one, number two, he ends up going first round to Seattle. Probably didn't hurt him that they have Lofa Tatupu there and they saw how well he performed in their system. So I think all those guys, like you mentioned, Excellent shot to make it, you know, to, to go as juniors. They all stayed for their senior year and all went in the first round. All went in the first round and are going to make uh, big money. In fact, now I don't know numbers or so on, but I saw somewhere or heard someone talking about it that that group of seven will make somewhere in the neighborhood of $43 million guaranteed money. Isn't that unbelievable? That is crazy. I think that's what those spots made uh, last year. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so well, I didn't want to go above it. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it, it could be a little bit above, but you know, the, all those guys help themselves financially. And I, I think now what this, I talked about this in the piece a little bit and you comment this on yourself, coach, you, you know, recruiting, you can bring in guys and, and turn your program around quickly. I think we saw Pete Carroll do that six and six and then boom, go to the orange bowl, uh, you know, win 11 games. And, and he really turned things around quickly. I think he, the talent he brought in, he moved him around a little bit. Um, you know, I think back then you had like a Matt Grudegood moving around. You know, you had linebackers go to safeties back and forth, things like that. He tried to put the best 11 guys on both sides of the ball on the field. But to, to get a consistent draft presence, and I think that's what you're going to see right now from Pete Carroll. I mean, next year they already have three guys projected to be first-round picks. I think now because he has that pipeline full and you have so many guys that are – in the system and you can have like the fifth year senior guys go in the first round, or you could have that superstar junior go in the first round that, that leaves early. I think now you're going to have so many guys in the system in that pipeline kind of cracking out every year. He can consistently field a good team, 
you know, at the college level. And also, in my opinion, be able to get two, three, four first round picks almost every year. Well, yeah, and you know his uh, his philosophy is if we're going to go out of state, we're going out of state because we feel that player is going to be a number one draft choice, and that's what his philosophy has been, and he's followed that, and it's pretty well held true as far as what's happened with these freshmen that have come to USC, and 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 it just makes sense if you if you evaluate your players properly, and they are, and they turn out, and you coach them up, and they turn out. Uh, to be what they're supposed to be when they come out of high school, then they're going to be number one, number two, or number three picks in the NFL draft. It just automatically happens because of the maturity of a player. The only time it doesn't happen is when a player is matured so much that that player doesn't improve. That player comes in as a mature player and, and doesn't get better. And what happens to players that are maybe uh, not as experienced or get bigger and so on, well, they pass that player by. And then that player doesn't have the uh, type of uh, season or the type of growth that other players have. But you take a Sam Baker, who came in and was a fall four-time All-American. And, and I, and I want to say this about Sam. Now, a lot of people were surprised Sam went in the first round. I mean, uh, let me tell you about Sam Baker. I watched the, the highlights. I watched the evaluation of these players, some of the big offensive tackles that were in the draft this year. Sam is not as big as some of them. But he has far more coordination and athletic ability than a lot of them. I've heard a lot of people talk about the short arms and this and that and whatever. Uh, they used to tell me when I had Randall Cunningham that Randall Cunningham's arms were too long to be a quarterback. So, you know, <laughs> sometimes there's over-evaluation going on. But when I watch him and I watch his feet and I watch the way he engages in alignment and run blocking and I watch the way he pass blocks, you know, and so on, I tell you, this kid can play guard, tackle. I wouldn't be a bit surprised if he could be a center. While you take some of the other tackles that were drafted in front of him, they can't do that, and they haven't played as much football as Sam has played. So I think Sam is a great player, and I think it's a great steal for Atlanta. I think he's going to be great down there. And also, I'll tell you another one, Terrell Thomas. I'll tell you now, he surprised a lot of people. A lot of people, when the Giants took him, a lot of people said, wow, I tell you, this kid was an athlete. He was a running back. He played. He returned kickoffs, punts. He can intercept the football. He, he can make big plays. And you got to have guys that make big plays in there. And Fred Davis, you know, I thought Fred might have gone a little bit earlier, uh, but uh, he went to Washington. It's a great spot for him. Uh, Michelle uh, was shocked uh, a little bit that he went as high as he went. But he did go to the 49ers, and I think he'll be a great player because he's a young player still, growing up. He's got a lot of football still to learn. Uh, you know, to go as high as he went, if he'd have stayed, he'd have been a first-round pick last year. There's no question in my – next year. Uh, there's no question in my mind that Lawrence Jackson and Rivers and Ellis, and, and when you look down at, at uh, Chauncey Washington and you look down at uh, uh, Thomas Williams and these other players that went, hey – they're all going to make it. Why? They're athletes. Athletes, you can't find enough good athletes to play on your team with special teams and so on. Thomas Williams played every position for USC, every linebacker. He won national championships. He's a player. And I tell you, that's what these people are looking for. They're looking for smart football players that have won and know what the feeling of winning is all about, and, and they're great athletes. And I think SC brings that to an NFL team who is willing to draft them. 
Yeah, and I, I agree with you. And it, you, you touched on all those guys that went in the second round. Rochelle, the interesting thing, he was the only junior, like you mentioned. Um, he, the fact that he came out and, you know, people thought he was a good player at USC. I think he got drafted a lot on his potential. But as soon as he came and, and declared for the draft, which was kind of a surprise because he didn't really tell the coaches. And they appeared to be kind of, if there was any uh, animosity between the two, they appeared to be uh, okay with each other now. But, you know, you, you hear like the Mel Kuypers on ESPNs and, and Mike Mayox on NFL Network talking about him as a first day draft pick. And it was kind of interesting because you just wouldn't have thought that when he was in school, but I think they see his, you know, his athletic ability and his size. And I think they saw a lot of potential there. Um, you know, he followed in the footsteps of Fred Matua, who also left early in that same guard spot. Uh, you know, they kind of followed each other. Matua ended up not being drafted the seventh round, and he's like uh, working on uh, uh, NFL practice squads at this point. They actually moved him to defensive tackle. Um, so it didn't really work out all that well for him leaving early. Rochelle getting drafted in the second round, you have to say that worked out pretty well. If he stayed, most likely a first-round pick, so he could have been even made more money. But, you know, we'll see what happens with him. Uh, Fred Davis gets to be paired up with Chris Cooley, who I, I really like. I've always had him on my fantasy teams. He catches a lot of passes there in Washington, so that should be fun. And Terrell Thomas, like I mean, he's so long, you know, that size of a corner, and you're trying to go against some of these big receivers. I think people like that, and people talk about him being a good NFL corner, a cover two type corner. I think he's be able to make plays, and he gets to join, you know, a team that's already established the Super Bowl champion, New York Giants. So we wish him the best of luck. He's a great guy. His mom would always come down to practice and. We'd always talk to her. She was just a great person. It's, it's great to see these guys. You see them come in as recruits and kind of move on to the NFL. Uh, the last few guys we want to touch on, uh, there was kind of a little um, lull between the second round and then the fifth round on the, uh, from the standpoint. But three more guys went after that. John David Booty uh, in the fifth round, the 137th overall pick in Minnesota. Then Thomas Williams, that outside linebacker that we talked about, um, who can play inside as well. Uh, he went with 155th pick to Jacksonville. And then Jacksonville got another Trojan, Chauncey Washington, in the seventh round. Um, he signed the, with a 213th pick. And so far, it looks like Drew Radovich, Drew, uh, offensive guard Drew Radovich has been the only uh, free agent taken. He was actually down at the Senior Bowl. And uh, I, I kind of thought he would sneak into the draft somewhere. He kind of helped himself. Uh, he had a few signature plays down there where he was just kind of blocking the crap out of people. And I thought he might go somewhere in the, in the draft, but, you know, hopefully he'll be able to be picked up by, you know, Minnesota and he can block for John David Booty down in the future. I think that Drew would have gone a little bit higher. I think they were more concerned about some of his injuries he's had and so on, but he has the ability to play and uh, I think he'll latch on somewhere. Uh, and uh, be a great player. Uh, I tell you, he comes from a great high school program, played a lot at USC. But, he, you know, he had a bad back for a while and, and so on. So I think that injury thing is what hurt Drew a little bit. But I tell you what, all the players you mentioned, I really believe, will play next year. Now, Rochelle, I, really, I think they took him on potential, as you say. I think he should have stayed at USC. Congratulations to him. He went in the second round, and he said he needed to do it for family reasons and so on. And I respect that. But he's not ready to play in the NFL right yet. He needed another year of playing at USC and then becoming like the rest of those guys, a first-round pick. But we certainly want to wish him the best of luck and, and, uh, and uh, you know, and, and hope he does well. Yeah, and what, what are your overall thoughts? I mean, this is, I kind of touched on this in the, dra in the uh, draft article this week. Uh, 
so many guys going. Ten guys drafted. It's uh, the most in the nation. And Radovich is a guy who could have probably snuck in there as well. Um, he's probably one of the he's one of the higher end free agents, I would say. So much talent that's leaving this team. You know, you talked about the recruiting aspect, and and I think it really does help recruiting, especially when you guys like a you have guys like a Thomas Williams who wasn't in the top three linebackers and was still drafted in the fifth round, or like a Matt Castle a few years ago who was the backup quarterback and never had any significant playing time and still still was drafted. Obviously, I think there's a lot of aspects that can help with recruiting because the guys that are the five star guys coming out of high school want to play in the NFL. Uh, but how do you think it's going to affect this team in 2008? A lot of people are still projecting them to be a top five, top three national championship contender. But with this model going, is it really going to change that? Well, when you have a top program like this, you're going to lose talent every year. Some years you'll lose more than others. But, uh, yeah, I think it'll affect them early. I think that, uh, you know, a lot of the young players are going to have to step up and play early, especially on the offensive line. I really believe that. Uh, and, and, of course, with a new quarterback and so on, there's uh, uh, a, a lot of, not question marks, but a lot of maturing to happen there. And you open on the road against the University of Virginia, which is their bowl game of the year. I, I'm telling you, that's their bowl game, their opening game of the year. That's all they're talking about is USC coming to Virginia. So, you know, I think that's uh, very uh, big for USC. And I think the team has got to, uh, realize that they aren't just a regular team in college football, and they do. They are a team that everyone wants to play, and when they do play them, it's the biggest game of the year. When Ohio State comes out here to uh, play them, that's going to be Ohio State's biggest game of the year. Yeah. And, and it is for SC, too, at that time, for both teams, because it's here's a team that could have been playing USC two years in a row in the Rose Bowl, but now they went on because of the current setup, played in the national championship game. So, you know, this is the battle between two of the football powers early in the year. Obviously, Ohio State has more players returning that are starters. So it's going to be a real challenge for these young players at USC, which are great athletes, great athletes. There's no reason why they can't step up, but they got to grow up in a hurry this year. They don't have any opponents out there uh, that play them early that they can get better on. They've got to be good when it starts. And I think this is something that Coach Pete Carroll and his staff understand, and, they, and they're a target team right now. So uh, that's why you go to USC. You go to USC to play for the Pac-10 championship, to play in the Rose Bowl, to play uh, for a national championship. And that's why you go, you go there. You don't go there for any other reason but to win national championships. Otherwise, why would you go to USC if you're Matt Barkley or somebody when they've got three or four quarterbacks? You go there because you want to compete against the best, and you know that's what makes you better. Yeah, and uh, I, I think that's kind of part of that pipeline theory. Where he just keeps bringing in guys, and there's always going to be someone, the next guy to step up. And if you look down the list, almost everybody's had a, a guy that came in and, and played significant backup minutes behind them uh, and, and kind of proved their worth. So, I mean, I think Cedric Ellis is the biggest void that's going to be left there. And, you know, Christian Topu, just he did a really nice job. And Averill Spicer, we haven't got to see him too much. Uh, but, you know, like Lawrence Jackson, you have an Everson Griffin that's that's ready to play. And a Sam Baker was hurt a lot of the year, and you saw guys like Butch Lewis come in and, and do really well. And a, a Keith Rivers, when he was hurt, Kulka Maiava, you know, did a, a great job in there backing him up. And you can kind of go down the list. Uh, a Fred Davis, we haven't seen too much from Anthony McCoy. I think he's really going to be a great player. But that's a position that it was important to USC in 2007, but hasn't always been. And I don't think it, it needs to be. I think it can be a great complement to the other receivers. But... Just with the receivers not playing as well, I think that's why 
Fred Davis kind of had to step up. But, you know, a Terrell Thomas, you have a Josh Pinker coming back or a, a Sharice Wright, who's just a, an amazing player. Um, you know, Thomas Williams wasn't a starter. And Chauncey Washington, there's, there's so many tailbacks that a lot of people didn't even think Chauncey should have got all the carries that he did. But, I, uh, you know, John David Booty, I guess you could say, because of his starting experience, uh, you know, who knows? There's a lot of talented guys there, but we're not sure how they're going to be as gamers. So you can go down the list, and, yeah, there's a lot of talent gone, but there's a lot of talent, you know, waiting to replace them. A lot of it's proven talent that's come in and played when these guys have been injured in the past. You're right, and we uh, neglected, or I did, talking about John David Booty. He will make the Minnesota Vikings team. He will make that team. He will play there for them. He is a steady football player, uh, and and he will make it too. I, as I told you, and I and I mentioned, uh, uh, I think every single player that we mentioned today will be on an NFL roster when the season starts. Yeah, and we'll uh, we'll be watching for it when those mini camps get started, and you see. Uh... You know, when the, the cuts start coming through, you got to see what goes on and see how many of those Trojans make it. I think you're right, though. I, I think all these guys have a real good shot at making it. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But that's all the time we have for this segment, Coach. Just wanted to uh, thank you again for joining us. It's always entertaining. And thank you very much. I enjoy uh, talking with you in the USC football. Yeah, and uh, thanks again to our sponsor, sctickets.com. If you have any Need for tickets for concerts, sporting events, or the theater, go to sctickets.com or call 1-800-888-7287. Coming up after the break, we have a a new beat writer that we've hired at uscfootball.com, Dan Wojcicki. So we're going to get to know him a little bit and uh, talk some USC football. Stay tuned. The Peristyle Podcast will be back after this short break. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. <laughs> We now return to the Parastyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. All right, welcome back to the Parastyle Podcast. This is episode number 12, and we're in our second segment, and today we have a very special guest, Dan Wojcicki. He is the new employee of uscfootball.com. He's going to be our USC beat writer. Welcome to the show, Dan. Thanks. I appreciate the job. (laughs) No problem. No problem. So you just... uh, Kind of give people a story. I mean, you just moved out here, just drove cross country, and uh, plopped yeah. yourself in Redondo Beach. Yeah, me and uh, me and my parents uh, drove from Chicago, uh, the thirty hours over a couple of days, and uh, got to know each other a little bit better in the car. And uh, I don't feel bad for my poor mom. We made her listen to the NFL draft on the radio, <laughs> which is just uh, it's a slow process on the radio. So yeah, it was a it was a long trip, but you know the weather's been great out here. I've had a good time so far, and. Uh, I love it. Oh, great. I mean, XM, you have XM Satellite Radio or whatever. Like When I drove out here back in way back in 1993 from Boston on my own, it was uh, AM or whatever you could find. Uh, probably just armed bad. with like Bobby Brown tapes, right? Yeah, it was not. <laughs> Plop the Paula Abdul or whatever I was listening to back then in there. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty bad. Um, so just kind of give people a little bit of uh, information on your background, where your last job was, and uh, kind of, you know, where you started uh, becoming a sports writer. Okay. Um, well, I started uh, in high school, but, you know, in college I went to Michigan State. It was the first university I attended. I covered uh, volleyball and then men's basketball there, which is like the biggest beat, and that was a great time. Um, I ended up not 
graduating though from Michigan State, I transferred to Eastern Illinois um, after a couple of years, and, and I worked there and was a sports editor down there. From there, I went to went back home to Chicago, where I worked at the Daily Herald, which is a suburban newspaper, and covered preps and junior college stuff. And then I got a job at Rivals with the Ole Miss site, and I was the Ole Miss beat writer for a year before coming out here and uh, moving to uh, warmer weather and, and hopefully some more wins. Yeah, I see. Uh, you got to uh, interact a lot with Coach O. He's uh, someone that's very close to many of the Trojan fans' hearts. They love Coach O down there. You got to fi- cover his final season at Old Miss. Kind of disappointing record. Uh, what were your overall impressions on uh, working with him? You know, it was uh, – it was. He, he's a good guy. He's just uh, – <laughs> He's a little scary at times. I mean, he's like one of the first people I met. I was like, wow, is everybody in the South going to be like this? I was just like, I'm in trouble. But, no, you, you know, he was a nice guy. Um, you fe- I felt bad that things didn't work out better because, you know, the one thing everybody always said about him was that it wasn't for lack of effort ever with Coach o. I mean, that guy was there all the time working. And, you know, you would have liked to have seen th- some things work out better. But, you know, a couple questionable game decisions, some recruiting misses, and just things didn't pan out. And I think, you know, it was probably best for both parties that – that everybody kind of parted ways. I think, he, you know, he'll be a great positional coach, a great coordinator, and he might be a very good head coach down the road. I mean, but it was kind of learning on the job, and, and kind of in that last year you could tell some of those frustrations were starting to boil over. Yeah, we I uh, got to, you know, obviously work with him when he was out here at USC, and a really nice guy. Probably only met with him face-to-face a few times. We talked on the phone a little bit, and I go down to Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl, and he's down there right before he announced what he was going to do. Uh, becoming the defensive line coach at New Orleans. And I, you know, I just go up to him. I'm like, hey, Coach O, I'm Ryan Abraham. I probably go, I know you, Ryan. I've, you know, I, I watch your website every day. You know? yeah. so he was, and he just remembers everybody he, he's ever met. And uh, Deshaun Jackson was there with his family. And they, they came up to him. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, obviously, he recruited Deshaun Jackson pretty heavily. Mm-hmm. And, and apparently, he committed to USC and then changed his mind for Cal. But uh, Deshaun Jackson came up to him. And everyone just that you would run into – just like the guy. He was just such a likable guy and a hard worker, like you said. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the surprising things that in that last year was that the players had kind of, I think, had kind of gotten worn down. I know when he first came in, the program was so energized by him, and the players loved him. Players love him on the recruiting trail. I mean, he seems great. I think just as a head coach, I, I don't think he, you know, when the losses started to pile up, I think he didn't know what to do with it to try to turn around. I think, he, you know, and he may have gotten a little angry with some guys, and some guys kind of gave up, and it got a little ugly down the stretch. But, uh, you know, like I said, I think I think he'll do great, and he he was fun to work with. He's definitely he's definitely a character, yeah. <laughs> that's for sure. Um, you know, and like I said, he was a really hardworking guy. He was good to us um, in that last year. He was always good to me, and that's something like you know I've got a hard time saying bad things about him as a person, just because I know he worked hard, and you know he, he I, like I said the the lack of success wasn't for a lack of trying. Yeah, and uh, well, I mean, it, it had to be interesting not just uh, covering him, but covering a team in the SEC, covering a team in the South. Uh, there's always seems to be a lot of animosity between SEC schools and USC that people from the SEC say, oh, if USC was there, they'd lose mm-hmm. two or three games a year. And it kind of there's always this going back and forth. But every time USC goes goes down there, they spank somebody. What was it like covering a team in the SEC with that kind of fan base? It was a, it was a blast, actually. Um, you know, it was something where, at, you know, the, Ole Miss obviously wasn't very good. But, you know, Florida came in and, you know, the stadium was sold out. And, you know, they gave Florida a game for three and a half quarters. You know, LSU came in on national TV and they played LSU tough for, you know, three and a half quarters. Um, it was just a, just a real treat to get to see that SC atmosphere up close in person. And just, I mean, there is very, there's good depth in that league. Top to bottom, it's a very, very good league. Personally, I, 
I used to get in arguments on there because I've always been more of a Pac-10 guy. <laughs> so I would, uh, you know, I, I think the Pac-10 is just more fun to watch. But, you know, the SEC, I mean, you got, got great players, guys like Tim Tebow last year, Darren McFadden. Seeing those guys come in, you know, every, Glenn Dorsey. Um, you know, there's there's some real elite talent. And watching some of those guys are just absolute game changers. I think Darren McFadden was probably the best player I've ever seen in person, you know, just running the ball. He was the best I've seen up close. I'm sure if I had been out here a couple of years earlier, there's somebody yeah. else who I might have seen him maybe a little bit better. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Uh, USC ended up playing the top – I think it was top four, top five running backs that went in the draft. I mean, they played against McFadden. They played against Felix Jones. They played against Jonathan Stewart. They played against Rashard Mendenhall and uh, mm. beat all those teams. So it's kind of funny that uh, yeah, they, they got to play against so many top-tier uh, top running backs there. Well, I mean, if you look at just in the draft, I mean, obviously when you've got so many just dominant defensive players, I mean, you, you know, you can kind of handle those guys. I mean, out of that list, like the one guy who I think played well was Mendenhall. Yeah. Was the yeah. guy who had the best game. Probably. Yeah, he had a, like an 80-yard run and stuff. And it was, yeah, he looked, he looked pretty good in the game. Yeah, but I mean, other than that, you know, I was just I saw McFadden when, when Arkansas played at Ole Miss. The first Arkansas possession, uh, Darren McFadden broke off like a forty-five yard run on their first play from scrimmage. Then they gave the ball to Felix Jones on the next play, and he re- and he scored a touchdown, like a forty-yard <laughs> touchdown. We were just like, "Whoa, <laughs> that was quick!" Yeah, like, that's the next guy. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the backup. And you know, it was like the fastest touchdown. I mean, the game was over, but but yeah, it was fun. It was good to see though, like against in those rivalry games. I mean. Some of that, like Mississippi, you know, Mississippi State is just a crazy game. I mean, that if I never hear another cowbell for the rest of my life, it'll be too soon, you know. <laughs> there goes all the Blue Oyster Call albums that I've been listening to. But, yeah, there's just – I mean, just being down in Starkville was nuts. It, it was a lot of fun. It was, it was a neat atmosphere. But, like I said, you know, it's not the back 10, though. Right. And uh, it, I thought it was interesting uh, when we were going through the interview process. Obviously, I read your stuff and I liked it. There's a lot of people that uh, that applied from all over the country. Uh, we had did this last time as well. Um one of the interesting things that we talked about was when you did some audio interviews that you put up on the Old Miss site, and uh, I just wanted to give you a reaction that the fans gave when they heard your voice. Obviously, you have that kind of Chicago, kind of little bit of yeah, uh, yeah. accent there, but what were the, uh, the the Southern people saying about you when they heard you on actually your audio? They wanted to know who the Yankee was asking the bad questions. <laughs> asking, that, that's, what, that's what they came after me with, a couple guys. Um, it was right after the uh, the – the Houston Nut press conference where he had gotten hired and we did a bunch of audio with players and the players in general, the guys that they brought in obviously for the interviews were all guys that were moderately pleased that there was going to be a change and, and those guys were all happy and you know it was weird when talking to them and I kept asking them I'm like are you guys like you know refreshed I mean what they look like I mean they that was a team that didn't win an SEC game all year yeah and then you bring them in for interviews after the season they're all happy to talk to the media and stuff like that it was all it was pretty weird yeah and and you know people on our website were just like who's that Yankee constantly <laughs> pounding home that one point what they don't what they didn't understand was that you know I was writing a story and you you want to ask five people you know the same question to see what you know, see what they, they all, say yeah. yeah to see you know people give you different answers but. They thought I was just feeding them quotes, and and they were they were dis- disgusted that a northerner would do that to their fine southern institutions. So. That, that's so funny. And <laughs> it, it's just the Yankee thing. It's, it's, it was rough. Yeah. I mean, they, I got it a couple times when I would meet people. They're like, "You're Dan Wikey." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, sorry." So <laughs> I think it was best uh, down there that uh, they didn't get to hear too much of me. So. Uh, okay. Yes, that's uh, it, it. It's funny when you hear that because you wouldn't think. I mean, people might comment on, oh, where are you from? You know, your accent kind of out here or whatever. You know. No, they were just like, you're a Yankee, and we don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was. I, I, could have been, I could have been born in Chicago for a week and moved down south and somehow never picked up a twang, and they still would have called me a Yankee. It was, yeah, it's, uh, it's hard to get accepted down there a little bit. Oh, but it was I, tough. I, we'll see. Hopefully the uh, fan base out here will uh, 
embrace you. I think, uh, you know, one of the things I really liked is just the number of articles. I mean, you were bringing so much to the table and you were able to, especially during the offseason, find a lot of things to, to write about. And I, yeah. I think you're going to enjoy covering the Trojans just because it is a more open atmosphere and Pete Carroll's really good with the media and let's let's us go down to those summer workouts or winter workouts and cover guys when they're just mm-hmm. doing their players only practices and you know you can pretty much interview whoever you want at any different time so it, I think there's a it, lot of opportunities for stories yeah at Ole Miss it wasn't like that it was a matter of I mean things were were a lot more guarded um a lot of that had to do with some of the, the external pressures on that last season but you know, we didn't get in at, to any of those individual workouts. You know, I mean, we never saw any of those stuff. We could, we could talk to players about them afterwards sometimes, you know, if players would show up for interviews. But, I mean, that was always kind of a crapshoot. You know, you're losing. You don't want to talk to us. I mean, that, that, that happened a lot. But, you know, I think getting out there and getting able to being able to see these guys, it'll be able to not only, you know, give me a better chance to get to know them, but also just kind of, you know, to get a more of an evaluation because – it was hard not seeing, you know, that team in practice. All I had to go on talking about Ole Miss football was, you know, the games. We got to see one practice a week for 45 minutes. We got to watch them stretch. And I could tell you who was flexible <laughs> and, and, you know, who, who looked good in those, you know, in the, in some, of, some of the cone drills they were doing. But, I mean, it was, it was you know, it was really quick individual stuff. Never got to see anything too, too guarded. And, you know, I'm looking forward to getting out there and actually watching a whole practice and being able to take, you know, and if that way, you know, if let's say, you know, God forbid – you know, Mitch Mustaine is just making a huge push to be a starting quarterback, or Aaron Corp or somebody. You know, and Mark Sanchez is struggling. You know, I can't. Before I would, I would just have to go by what Coach O would say. Mm-hmm. You know, about the quarterback. If there was a quarterback battle, and you'd be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he never wanted to talk about that stuff. He said everybody was doing all, always. Everybody was all right. Now, you know, I don't. I don't necessarily need to ask Coach Carroll. You know what's going on because I'm going to be out there. And I'm going to be able to see it. Yeah. I'm going to be see. You know, if Aaron Corp's making all the throws. And he should be playing. You know, I'll be, I've got no problems telling him that that's. Yeah, that, you know, I, I think it's neat. I, I I still think the coaching staff will have their agendas and want to spin things a certain way. But you do get to watch. And if if Alan Bradford's breaking eighty yard runs every single practice and he's not playing, then you know, then you can tell people, and then the the, the fans and everyone has a right to question that. Like, hey, why isn't Alan Bradford playing mm-hmm. when he's just tearing things up on the field? And yeah, I, I I think that's a good aspect to it. it it's good. I mean. It can be a little crazy at practice sometimes because he lets anyone in, and there's there's fans lining the walls, and uh, you know kids can kind of get in the way sometimes. They'll kind of run out in the field a little bit, and you got to yes. keep it under control. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, Damian Williams this year, uh, you know, came across a, a a pattern across the middle, and then was going towards the sideline. And I think the pass got broken up, and he ended up running into the wall, and kind of like no one caught him, which was interesting. You should think someone would catch him before <laughs> yeah, he hit the right. wall. And I think there was a little kid in the way that he kind of slid and, and hurt his ankle, and he was hurt for a lot of spring football. But I, in general, most of the players I talk to enjoy having people there. They're not in a vacuum. You can play in front of fans. They get give autographs afterwards. And I, I think they like that, that if you can practice with all this kind of scrutiny and pressure on you, then you, you know, I think it helps when you play in the game. Oh yeah, and that was one of the things that I know that Coach O took from Pete Carroll was was the competition as- aspects of practice. You know, like we've talked before about going ones on ones when you get a chance and doing stuff like that. Um, Coach O loved competition in practice. I mean, loved. It. I mean, he's a guy who reportedly. I mean, talk about competition when he took the job. Reportedly, you know, went in that room and challenged his team to a fight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's like one of the stories down there was that he went in that room and he was ready to go. I mean, so obviously, you know, very competitive guy. I think that players always benefit from that, whether it's a basketball player, a tennis player, I mean, a baseball player. I mean, if you give them good competition in practice, obviously when you get into games, you're not going to be easily as phased. 
Right. And uh, well, I just want to kind of get an impression from you com- coming from uh, covering an SEC team, but being kind of a, you know, someone that followed the Pac-10. Mm-hmm. What are your overall impressions from afar, from, you know, from the Deep South of what Pete Carroll and SC has been doing the last few years? You know, obviously last year, I think at the end of the season, they were one of two teams that, were, that was playing the best football in the country. Obviously, I think the game that I probably wanted to see most would have been USC-Georgia sure. at the yeah. end of last year. That was the game that, I mean, I thought those were the two best teams, you know, come January 1. Um, obviously, you just look at the talent that he's been able to amass. and I mean, it seems like one guy leaves, somebody else is ready to step in always. I mean, you know, Carson Palmer goes, you know, goes to the NFL. Here comes Matt Leiner, you know. Matt Leiner leaves, and then here comes John David Booty, and John David Booty does a good job in leading the offense. You know, he, he gets hurt, and Mark Sanchez steps in and wins games. I mean, it's really – it's really incredible just the way he's been able to recruit depth. Yeah. And, and that's, I mean, to me, that's the biggest difference I've seen between SE and, and other schools is that their twos and their threes are, I mean, are, I mean, they're guys like Matt Castle get drafted. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, who, who he, and I mean, he's still a backup in the NFL, but I mean, we were talking yesterday about this. Like, you know, he's a guy, I would not be shocked if at some point in time he gets, you know, Tom Brady gets hurt and he comes in and he's ready to play because, you know, he comes from a system where there's so much competition. He's been, you know, obviously to be a backup at USC, you've got to be a good player. Like, yeah. That's been established, and that and and that's pretty unique. I mean, obviously they win a lot of games. I mean, that's something that is really easy to to just know from afar, and they've done it in some spectacular fashion. You know, just watching you know Reggie Bush and Lendale White and, and you know Mike Williams and and those guys just dominate. You know, it, it's really unique. It was really unique for a long time. Obviously, yeah. some great games with Notre Dame that I got to see. You know, I'm really excited about, you know, the Ohio State matchup. I think that's going to be a really good game. I think Ohio State is always a very physical defensive-minded defensive, defensive minded team. Like you mentioned, you know, USC's fared pretty well against the Pac- against the Big Ten and the SEC. So, I mean, like, I like that they're they're going out and they're going out to Virginia. I mean, it's, it's an exciting schedule, and I think, you know, I think right away pretty early in the season you'll get an idea for how good this team is. Yeah, and it's interesting that uh... – Pete Carroll's always loved to go out of conference. I think USC in general, just even before he got there, has played really tough marquee out-of-conference games. I mean, when you would look at, oh, what's their schedule? Oh, they have Nebraska, Auburn, and Notre Dame. Like, oh, they have uh, Arkansas and you know, mm-hmm. uh, whoever they're playing, Virginia Tech and Notre Dame. And they're always playing Notre Dame, but then they add like one or two more kind of top-tier teams. And it's funny, those early season games, there's something about the way he prepares. They're just crushing people. You know, The only mm-hmm. real big out-of-conference loss that they have is the the Rose Bowl in Texas and it was like you know obviously an amazing game and Vince Young was an amazing player but they're usually so focused on those early games and and they can go out and and just thump people and it's those kind of middle of the road conference games where you have to like you let your guard down and that's kind of seen where they struggle the most the game that that sticks out to me is when they went to Arkansas I mean I feel like they scored 80 points in that game like I I just remember watching that I think I was out with my friends that night we were watching football and and just seeing that like oh another touchdown another touchdown just yeah. watching the score just go up, you know, <laughs> couldn't keep up. But, you know, it's something where I think by, by playing those games, especially now with the BCS the way it is, it's important that you that you pick up your schedule and you play tough teams because it gives you a little more margin for error. I mean, you know, last year USC lost two games, correct? Sure, yes. And, and, and you know, they were still in the discussion for the national title, national championship game, and that's strictly because of the schedule they played. I mean, yeah. if, if they had played teams like Rice and, yeah. and you know, if, if they had gone to, like, Texas A&M Corpus Christi for, you know, for something like that. It would have been, a, you know, there's no way you can lose two games and be in that conversation. But because of the caliber of opponents they play, obviously one loss almost guarantees you're, you're going to be in the top three of the BCS. Two losses, 
I mean, you're in the top five and you're in that conversation. Yeah. And well, I wanted to kind of get one last thought on this before we uh, end the segment. What were you kind of looking forward to the most uh, covering the team? Obviously, you're a big football song fan. Girls. The song girls. <laughs> song girls. We haven't done any interviews with them yet. Maybe you can uh, feature. Be, be Photo proud. feature, probably. <laughs> probably. But is there some aspect that you're looking forward to uh, covering out here? I'm looking forward to getting into the Coliseum and just seeing, you know, seeing the team come out, hearing the fight song, like all that stuff to me, all the pageantry that goes along with it is just so special. And then, you know, just the way that that the way the Pac-10 works. I mean. At the time of night that games are played, everybody watches. And it's like the focus of the college football world, you know. And I'm looking forward to being a part of that and, and really just seeing, you know, some of the talent. I'm excited to see Joe McKnight in yeah. person after reading about him so much. And I'm excited to watch him. I'm excited to watch, you know, Ronald Johnson's a guy who ever is just a great playmaker. And I'm excited to kind of – I'm really excited to kind of handicap this quarterback thing. I know, I know you know, Coach Carroll's named – Named a starter right yeah, now. Mark Sanchez, yeah. But that was something, though, covering Ole Miss last year, they had a quarterback controversy going in. And even though a starter was named, that kind of always lingers unless he comes out and plays well right away. And, I mean, if he doesn't, I, I don't think Coach Carroll will be hesitant to, to look at, you know, Mitch Mustaine and Aaron Corp because those guys are so talented. It's hard to keep those guys off the field. I'm looking forward to, to seeing those guys and, and just kind of getting a feel for what's going on at quarterback. Yeah, that'll be a big, a big question even before the first game. It'll be something in the fall that, you know, he named the starter, basically said, if there's a game tomorrow. And obviously yeah. there wasn't a game yeah, for four I and think, I think he, he reserves the right to change his mind. Yeah, he can change, yeah. <laughs> so. and, and, and a guy like Aaron Corp was an afterthought, ended up having the best, you know, Trojan huddle. He had the best spring game there. And he, he's kind of known – and when he was at Orange Lutheran, he was known as a quarterback that was not the best practice player, but he was a gamer. You know, they won the CIF um, championship game, and he's just known for that. So you see him in the game situation. He played a lot better than he actually played during practice. So it makes it more interesting just to even yeah. throw his name in there. And you like to see you like to see a young guy like that take that opportunity seriously. I mean, that was something Coach O did. Was it was really a two person race? It was between two seniors at Ole Miss, and then he kind of there was a freshman there too, and he kind of threw his name in. Um, he's actually a California guy. I can't think of his name right now. So okay. I've lost it. But, okay. <laughs> but uh, he, um, you know, he kind of mentioned his name, and it was something like where, by giving him that opportunity, you got a chance to see how he was going to react to it. You know, the Ole Miss quarterback, he didn't react to it very well, and he ended up transferring. You mm-hmm. know, it was something like where that was his chance to compete. You know, obviously we saw what Aaron Corp did, and the way he he responded to that in the Trojan Hall, leading that team to a, leading his team to a win. You know, by making a, a clutch throw, right? Yeah, double overtime, like yeah, twenty-five yard, perfect pass to the back of the end zone to I win mean, the game. Yeah. yeah, that's a gamer right there. Yeah. That's, a, <laughs> I mean, that's what you want to see. Yeah. So great. Well, Dan, I hope the uh, the Trojan fans got to uh, get to know you a little bit more, and I'm sure they will over the coming months as we you know get ready for fall camp and they start reading your stuff. And uh, thanks for joining us. All right, my pleasure. All right, coming up on the other side of the break, we're going to have the USC campus crawl. Stay tuned. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Hey, USC Trojan fans. To get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans, log on to uscfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball, and recruiting news. Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com, the officially licensed Southern Cal site of the Rivals.com network. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to our third and final segment of the Peristyle Podcast, where we're going to look around the different sports at USC in the USC Campus Crawl. 
football. Football, we obviously talked a lot about the NFL draft, but we did have a couple questions on the message board from uh, Troy Blood. Uh, his first one was, he wanted to know if the offensive line is going to be very young, except for Jeff Byers, what is the probability that Coach Rule will fashion them into a re- reliable unit by the UVA game? I think there's a really good shot. I think the, the one thing is, yes, there's four guys that are gone from the starting offensive line last year. Uh, but you do have four guys coming back that have starting experience. One, two, or three games. Uh, Chris O'Dowd has the most experience at center. He comes in. I really don't think there's going to be any drop-off from Matt Spanos to Chris O'Dowd. You could even argue that O'Dowd outplayed Spanos last year. Uh, but you got guys like Butch Lewis who played really, really well uh, you know, behind um, Sam Baker when he was hurt last year. And uh, Zach Haberer got some starts. And I think there's some young guys that can mix in there. I, I, with all the, the people that they have back, and I know there were some guys injured and they're moving people around, I think they're going to have a really good shot at getting a nice uh, starting five going. Uh, and you're going to have uh, four more guys coming in in the fall. So they'll be added to the mix and add some depth. I think that added depth will allow Coach Roll to move some guys around and, and really get a good unit there. So I'm not really worried about the offensive line. I think they're going to gel by the time they play Virginia. Uh, the other question um, was how many of the incoming freshmen will play and or start as the season wears on? Uh, as many guys as they lost in a draft, they still don't really need much of a contribution from any of the freshmen just because Carroll's got so much talent stockpile. They put a list together of a few names that I thought have a shot at, at helping out. I think the one guy that you look at that, that has the best shot is probably Blake Ailes. Um, Anthony McCoy, I think, is going to be a really good player. Uh, but, you know, that they, they're still going to try to replace Fred Davis if it's not going to be McCoy. Uh, Ailes could come in and, and kind of play that H-back or, or uh, tight end position and do really well. So we'll have to see what he does in the fall. They've got a good shot. A couple guys on the defensive line because they lost uh, Cedric Ellis and Lawrence Jackson. You could look at Nick Perry, who is a, a great pass rusher. And, uh, you know, Pete Carroll loves to stick those guys in early. I mean, if that's one thing you got to do, put them in and just stick the quarterback. So look for Perry. He might be able to get some playing time. And, uh, and Jarrell Casey, if he, you know, if everything goes well with his academics, because I know that can be a question, um, you know, he could be in the mix to, to replace Ellis in the in the middle there. I, you know, but if you like Christian Topu and, and Averill Spicer, I think those guys are going to do a good job. But Casey could kind of come in there and, and play with them a little bit. T.J. Bryant's an interesting guy um, because he's just been born and bred as a cornerback. And even though they, you know, they're not as deep at, at corner, so he could be in the two deep fairly easily uh, at cornerback. And if a guy gets hurt or if, like a Josh Pinkard isn't able to play, you know, he could end up even being the nickelback. So he's got a really good shot. And then maybe there's a bunch of guys in the offensive line depending on how they're moving people around. But the one guy, because of the uh, right tackle spot, seems to be a little bit in flux now. Um, I'm saying Matt Khalil. He's got a definite shot at coming in and, and you know pushing the guys for some playing time. Baseball. It's been another rough stretch for the Trojan baseball team, losing six straight, including a pair of 21-run losses before winning two games against Stanford and Cal Poly Slow. The Trojans host Washington State in a Pac-10 conference series this weekend. Golf. The number three USC men's golf team is in first place at the Pac-10 Championships at Meadow Club in Fairfax, California. Heading into the final day of the tournament on Wednesday, they held a slim two-stroke lead over Arizona State, a seven-stroke lead over Cal, and a 12-stroke lead over UCLA. During play on Wednesday, they have extended that lead, and as the tournament's winding down, they now have a four-stroke lead over Arizona State. Tennis. 
the men's tennis team was awarded the number six seed overall in the NCAA Men's Tennis Championship Tournament. As the top seed in their bracket, they will host three teams at Marcana Stadium rounds next week. Basketball. As expected, freshman guard O.J. Mayo was one and done, declaring his intentions to enter the NBA draft. Mayo held a press conference at USC, letting the Trojan fans know about his intentions to go to the pros. The story is a little different for freshman forward Davon Jefferson. He reportedly declared for the draft this week, hiring an agent, and gave little or no notice to the USC media or fans. Forward Todd Gibson, through his father, said he will return to the team in 2008. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can now download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player. Just search for Peristyle Podcast the next time you log into iTunes.